Good morning, the 12th of February, and make sure to let me know in the live chat if there's any technical problems that I'm not aware of. Everything was good to go on my end when we started. Yesterday was the uh, secular feast of the Super Bowl, one of the weirder secular holidays, but it is a holiday if you uh, don't know what we're talking about here in terms of uh, the biggest sports day in the United States, bigger than the, bigger than the world series, bigger than the NBA finals, bigger than any of these other things. This is a day where people will tune in who don't watch football to watch a football game for the commercials. It's one of the weirdest things in the American culture. Any ever other day of the year, Americans will usually walk away from ads or mute the TV when ads come on. But this time of year, for whatever reason, people will actually watch something for the commercials. I haven't seen a Super Bowl commercial for anything other than a movie that was even remotely interesting in many years. And these days, even the movie ads aren't that interesting. I did not watch the game. I uh, watched some of the I watched the ad in question today later. But we're going to talk about this ad. Um, Jeebs in the chat says he hasn't seen the ad we'll be discussing. You probably did, actually. Um, There is a secular organization that is serve that is and i want to say secular but it's not it's actually a protestant organization that has taken it upon itself to re- to repair the image of our blessed lord and this is a protestant organization that actually hits pretty close to home for me they're uh funded by the billionaire behind hobby lobby which is based right out of oklahoma their corporate headquarters is in oklahoma city any town of any real size here that can support a big box store has a Hobby Lobby here. They're the they're far and away the biggest crafting store chain in this area. You others struggle by comparison to the kind of volume they do. And while I do appreciate that that company tends to be closed on Sundays, I do appreciate that. Low for me, they've done some some things that I don't don't approve of, including buying a local Catholic university when it shut down because it's management for decades really just embraced the full uh, springtime of the new religion after Vatican II. And when they eventually closed their doors, that building was bought by Hobby Lobby and given over to a local Protestant university. I was not pleased with that, but that's another topic for another time. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually watch the ad without audio. I will be stopping periodically to for copyright reasons so here we go is the actual ad in question no audio it's got the audio is just for the most part some silly kind of very pleasant pleasing music to help make you happy so so what you see here of course elder of a family having his feet washed then you see law enforcement washing a, a person's feet you see probably a popular kid washing the feet of someone else and uh, people, you know, let's pause here. Though. This is the one everybody's talking about. So the temple of Moloch and what are we always told that the people who use the services there are going to fit this be like teenage girl. Their note in the background, their backs are all turned to this person. These are the people who are out there trying to prevent the Temple of Moloch from doing what it does. And you have somebody there who has come up and and washed the feet of this girl. Neat. Let's keep going. 
you get the idea as we go through this. This is not the only thing you see. Uh, what I presumably is a mother washing the feet of her, or the daughter washing the feet of her mother, who has definitely some real issues there. Again, not a problem. But you keep going, and then you see the uh, the Laudato Sea advocate out there getting her feet washed by the uh, the oil worker. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, then you get some politics here. You know, this is definitely timed because of the politics involved with this one here. And we keep going. Then you start to see uh, <laughs> a group who you cannot uh, say anything remotely negative about on this platform, having their feet washed by a typical blue collar kind of family. And you keep going. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the nature of this one, but it's opposing sides. And then you got neighbors, maybe with a past. And then you get this one. I wish when they have show what's supposed to be a Catholic priest, they would do their, their, their research because that priest, if you actually were to look very closely here, it looks like he's wearing a rosary around his neck. And I've never seen a priest wear a rosary around their neck. He's washing the feet of a member of the uh, James Martin brigade. And it keeps going like this. And then they tell us that Jesus didn't teach, you know, to not like people. He washed feet. Very cool. Thank you so much. He gets us, all of us, emphasizing us and Jesus. And so we just pause there. We stop that screen sharing. Make sure we're still on. We are. Very cool. Um, uh, Light says that the similar ads, they were they have several. If you look up their, if you go to their YouTube channel, they have several. One thing I didn't point out to you is I have an extension on uh He's a, I have a, an extension for my browser that lets me see the reaction people have given to it. It's gotten a lot of dislikes, like 10 to 1 dislikes. I'll have a link to that so you can watch it for yourself if you need to in my show notes at returntotradition.org when that goes live. Um, Colleen says the game itself was good. I'm not a football guy. I'll take your word for it. I don't tell people, ooh, you're bad for watching professional sports. I, I've got much bigger fish to fry in the culture than that. So if you enjoyed the game, I'm happy for you not my thing personally. My critique of this has nothing to do with the sports event itself or the celebrity personalities they were weirdly focusing on. I want you to remind their, Marco says it's incredible that Catholics would allow their kids to watch. Well, right. I, there have been past things at the Super Bowl that make me think that maybe kids shouldn't watch it. But, uh, um, I, I do want to kind of go over what this is, what we're talking about here, because it revolves around the passages from the Bible, the gospel according to St. John, chapters 13, chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. But I'm going to give you the, the that actual gospel here from the Knox translation, one of my favorites. I, a lot of theologians don't like it. I, I don't care. Um, it's easier for the purposes of YouTube to use this tra traditional translation than, say, a Dewey Rames, and I will under no circumstances use a New American. Because the New American, if you need to know, the Ascent of Mount Carmel channel has a whole video series on the heresies of the New American Bible. He thought he was going to do one or two videos. It turned into something like 12 or 15. It's staggering how many errors are found in that. So we're going to use the Knox, and I'm just going to read you the gospel according to St. John, chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. Before the Paschal feast began, Jesus already knew that the time had come for his passage from this world to the Father. He still loved those who were his own when he was leaving in the world, and he would give them the uttermost proof of his love. 
Supper was over, and the devil already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon, the Iscariot, to betray him. Jesus knew well that the Father had left everything in his hands, knew it was from God that he came and to God that he went. And now rising from supper, he laid his garments aside. He took a towel and put it about him, and then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the feet of his disciples, wiping them with the towel that girded him. So when he came to Simon Peter, Peter asked him, Lord, is it for thee to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, It is not for thee to know now what I am doing, but thou wilt understand it afterwards. Peter said to him, I will never let thee wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash thee, it means thou hast no companionship with me. Then, Lord, said Peter, wash my hands and my head too, not only my feet. But Jesus told him, A man who has bathed does not need to do more than wash the stains from his feet. He is clean all over, and you are clean now, only not all of you. He knew who his betrayer was. That is why he said, you are not all clean. Then when he had finished washing their feet and put on his garments, he sat down again and said to them, do you understand what it is I have done to you? You hail me as the master and the Lord, and you are right. It is what I am. Why then, if I have washed your feet, I who am the master and the Lord, you in your turn ought to wash each other's feet. I have been setting you as an example, which will teach you in your turn to do what I have done for you. Believe me, no servant can be greater than his master, no apostle greater than he by whom he was sent. Now that you know this, blessed are you if you perform it. And that's from the gospel, according to St. John, Knox translation. And what is it? A couple takeaways you really got to understand with this is this is, I think this is one of the most misunderstood. One of the most, most misunderstood passages of scripture uh we see this with francis right wash he loves to make a show of washing the feet during lent right up in like week five of lent he likes to wash the feet of uh members of who are people who are not members of the church or even who aren't even protestants or anything he likes to wash their feet as a big kind of show um always makes headlines always gets the praise of the world instead i want to to give you an idea of what we have, how to understand this. We're going to go to Thomas Aquinas who kind of, who will explain a lot of this for us. So here we have, it's a bit long and then we're going to go to some reactions to this. I've seen from people because people are really not happy. Like again, you go to that video, you look at, if you have the ability to see when people dislike something, it's staggering the reaction this has gotten. And we'll go also into the background of the company who got this, where it came from, who the people funding it are and why. So we'll go into that because it's important. So from Aquinas's commentary, this is St. Thomas. After showing the dignity of Christ, the evangelist now commands his, commends his humility, which Christ showed by washing the feet of the disciples. First, the evangelist mentions Christ's preparation for this humble task. Secondly, the service itself. In regard to the first, we should note that in performing this humble task, Christ shows himself a servant. The Son of Man came not to be to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, three things are necessary for a good servant. First, he should be careful to notice anything that might be lacking in his service, and this would be hampered if he were sitting or lying down. Thus, servants stand. So, he says, Christ rose from supper. For which is the greater, one who sits at table or one who serves? Secondly, a servant should not be encumbered, so he can do everything necessary to his service. And since too much clothing is such a hindrance, our Lord laid aside his garments. Thirdly, a good servant is prepared, having at hand everything which he needs. In Luke, we read that Martha was distracted with much serving. 
So our Lord girded himself with a towel so he would be ready not to just wash their feet, but to dry them as well. And since he who had come from God and was going to God is now washing the feet of others, he is treading underfoot the universal tendency to pride. As to its mystical meaning, this action can be referred to two things, the incarnation of Christ and his passion. If it is referred to his incarnation, it tells us three things about Christ. First, he says, rise up, come to our help. Secondly, it indicates that he emptied himself, not that he abandoned his great dignity, but he hid it by taking on our smallness. Truly thou art a God who hides thyself. This is shown by the fact that he laid aside his garments. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Thirdly, the fact that he girded himself with a towel indicates that he took on our mortality, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. If this event is referred to the passion of Christ, then he literally set aside his garments when the soldiers stripped him. For my clothing, they cast lots. And he was girded with a towel in the tomb. And also in his passion, he laid aside the garments of our mortality and put on a towel. That is the splendor of immortality. Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Then when the evangelist says, then he poured water into a basin, he describes Christ's service and shows his admirable humility in three ways. First, as to what kind of service it was, for it was very lowly since the Lord of majesty stooped down to wash the feet of his servants. Secondly, as to the number of things he did, for he put water into the basin, washing their feet, and then he dried them. Thirdly, as the way to it was done, for Christ did not do it through others or with their help, but by himself. The greater you are, the more you must humble yourself. As for the mystical meaning, three things can be gathered from these events. First, the pouring out of Christ's blood on the earth is indicated by the pouring of water into the basin. For the blood of Jesus can be called water because it is the power to cleanse. He washes us from our sins in his own blood. And so blood and water came out of his side at the same time to show us that his blood washes away sins. Or water can indicate the passion of the Christ. For in scripture, water signifies tribulations. Save me, O God, for the waters, that is tribulations, have come up to my soul. Therefore, he poured water into a basin. That is, he impressed the memory of his passion on the minds of the faithful by their faith and devotion. Remember my affliction and my bitterness, the wormwood and the gall. Secondly, when he says and began to wash, it indicates our human imperfection. For after Christ, the apostles were more perfect than others, and yet even they needed to be washed, since they were unclean to some degree. We can understand this by this, that no matter how perfect a person may be, he acquires some uncleanness and still needs to become more perfect. Who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. However, the only feet of such persons are unclean, but others are not only unclean in their feet, they are stained all over. For those who lie down in earthly uncleanness are unclean only on their feet. For just as a person who is standing must at least touch the earth with his feet, so we, as long as we live this mortal life which needs earthly things to sustain the body, acquire some uncleanness, at least because of our sensuality. Thus our Lord told the disciples to shake the dust from their feet. The evangelist says that Christ began to wash because the cleaning of our earthly affections begins here and is completed in the future. Then the words of Isaiah will be fulfilled. It shall be called the holy way. Note that according to Origen, our Lord began to wash the feet of his disciples right before his passion, for he had washed them a long time before they would have become dirty again. So he began to wash them a short time before he would wash the apostles with the water of the Holy Spirit, after his passion. Before many days you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In short, when our Lord put water in the basin, this indicated the pouring out of his blood. And when he began to wash the feet of his apostles, this indicated the cleansing of our sins. End a lengthy quote from St. Thomas Aquinas. 
A washing is a sign of preparation for the trials ahead, to remove the stains of sins from them, to make them clean of sin. It's a preparation for the hard road of discipleship. Note whose feet he was washing. He was washing the feet of the disciples. In a word, it was a preparation for the trials ahead, and that the sign that they were called to something higher. It's actions speaking louder than words. Bear that in mind, because the ad that I started this with is nothing about nothing else other than preaching what we have to call around here. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you something that many of you're gonna be a little surprised that I would ever ever bring up. And I never thought I'd be bringing this up either. But how many of you have ever seen one of the worst movies about God ever made? Dogma. You're familiar with this image? It is called the Buddy Christ. If you're familiar with the Buddy Christ, what? The only positive thing I could say about that movie is that George Carlin played the perfect hippy-dippy Novus Ordo bishop. Somebody who wants to turn our Lord into your best buddy, to take and strip the gospel message of its core call to repentance, and it turns Jesus into your friend. That is what we, that same message we got in that ad is. Because there's no call to repentance. There's no call to anything. It's accepting people where they are and how they are. Jesus didn't accept people how they were. He consistently said, go forth and sin no more. And the idea that he was, that, that you would have this acceptance outside the temple of Moloch and with all these politically charged images and with the James Martin crowd who sins scripture is unequivocal about, unequivocal, no call to repentance. Jesus gets us. Yes, yes, he does. He understands us better than we will ever understand ourselves. And he knows what keeps us from the glory of the Father. And that is living a life shackled by sin. That ad, when I watched it, I, I could not believe what I was seeing. It, which is why we need to talk about now who the ad is by. It's called, it's it's funded by, an, it's from an organization. They have a website called hegetsus.com. So let's take a look at their website here so you can get an idea of who these people are, and then we'll go a little deeper. So from their website, how did the story of Jesus, the world's greatest love story, get twisted into a tool to judge, harm, and divide? How do we divide people? How do we remind people that the story of Jesus belongs to everyone? These questions are the beating heart of He Gets Us. We hope to remind everyone, including ourselves, that Jesus' teachings are a warm embrace, not a cold shoulder that he didn't let pro this or anti that opinions prohibit him from seeing the value of all people. He gets us, invites you to explore Jesus' story on your own terms and at your own pace. Let's pause. Gets us to invite you to explore Jesus' story on your own terms and at your own pace. This is why we have a magisterium, a teaching authority, people commissioned by Christ and then commissioned by their successors to teach what scripture means. Never on your own terms. Never even really at your own pace. The church will go with you as they need, as you are needed to, but never on your own terms. It turns Jesus into a construct of your own fashioning, into a construct of something that suits your whims. It's a false Christ. And this is made more obvious when they say our message isn't from a particular church or is it affiliated with any one denomination. Our campaign comprises humble perspectives from a diverse group of Jesus fans, Jesus fans, and followers with a variety of faith journeys and lived experiences bound by a common desire to rediscover and share the compelling story of Jesus' life in a new way. 
You know what this is missing? Dialogue, accompaniment, synodality. Otherwise, this stuff is right out of like the, the modernist nonsense coming from Rome these days. We will make mistakes. At least admit it. Like anyone with a public message who sets out to share an idea, we won't always get it right. Expect us to be human. The campaign exists to remind us of the example that Jesus set while inviting all to explore his teachings so we can all follow his example of confounding unconditional love because he gets us, all of us. The core of the message is uh, you can't have new life in him by acknowledging that he's the Messiah, that he's the Savior, and that you conform your life to him, his, which means to go forth and sin no more, and to follow those who have been commissioned to teach about him. I don't expect them to get that, though. All right, so I'm going to show you now the person behind this. It's from Forbes. The billionaire is a donor behind the Jesus Focus Super Bowl ads. This was published a year ago, okay? But it's the same guy, same organization. They have a different nonprofit behind them now because they were apparently the old nonprofit that was behind last year's edition of version of this. They were doing um they were they were actually funding some actually orthodox moral stuff. And you can't have that. So now they have a new nonprofit, but it's the same guy behind it. A multi-billionaire donor behind two unusual ads that ran during the Super Bowl on Sunday is David Green, the founder of a national chain of craft stores and a big donor to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Here, we, they just, it gives you a lot of the background on this. If, you, if you're familiar with them, you know what, where this is. They actually go back to 2012 because he talks about, in this article, a, that a very big need in his mind to take Christ and represent him to repair Jesus's public image because people who in most instances are demanding that or reminding people of the morality of being a Christian and a consistency with that. They believe that, that, that those kinds of people, meaning us have damaged our Lord's image. And we're not just talking about some very specific fringe kind of, you know, the people who sometimes go outside of a Catholic church with a sign and tells all about all the people God apparently really doesn't like and how Catholics are on that list. You know, the, the people, I'm not going to say their name on this platform because I already know not to, but they're known for being very litigious and going after uh, anybody who would even like get too close to them. Okay. The parish that I came into the church in, in Portland, Oregon, they once actually stood outside of it and tries to tried to cause a ruckus many, many, many years ago. So I, I know of this group very well. He says, when I asked him, this is back in 2012, to walk me through the secrets to his company's growth, which the aerial plans represent the 70-year-old with a full head of white hair, blue eyes, and a prominent square jaw doesn't take any personal credit, nor does he laud his executives or his 22,000 employees or his customers who will gobble up more than $3 billion worth of craft products from him this year. You have anything or if I have anything, it's because it's been given to us by our creator. That's true. So I have learned to say, look, this is yours, God. It's all yours. I'm going to give it to you. And he means that literally. He has 500, at the time that this article was initially published, there were 520 hobby lobbies in the country in 42 states. I never saw one in Oregon, but I, as I understand, they're there now. His whole point is that it is his mission to represent Christ 
from his very specific kind of weirdly liberal evangelical view back to the culture that he believes has undermined our Lord because people have demanded orthodoxy. Remember that article, the 2012 part they were quoting that it was in the, at the height of the parody of holy matrimony being deba de debated in the culture. Context is important for this. Now, a decade later, look at all the stuff that they're debating in the culture. Now, the stuff they're trying to push. And you saw it in that ad. A lot of people are really not happy with this ad, and I'm, I'm not surprised, which is why we'll talk a little bit about some of the actual responses to this. Um, so, Lepanto Institute shared it. They called it blasphemous. It, and how it you know denigrates those who defend actually like Catholic positions on things. Uh, Yvonne, who might be watching this, because I know that she uh, watches the show, says Jesus washed his servants' feet, not the not the feet of those who didn't serve him. Mostly true. Um, of course, uh, Judas had his feet washed as well. Um, then uh, one of the more firebrand accounts on Twitter uh, reminded people that pe you're upset about this ad, yet you keep watching the NFL and keep insisting on legitimacy of the papacy of man who literally approves of this. Because again. What I described to you, what I read from their guiding documents on their own website, sounds very much like synodality and this new synodal church, this new everyone is welcome stuff. All right. I thought this would go a little longer than it did, but I'm glad it didn't. So <laughs> too bad they didn't have the Pope washing uh, 45's feet. That would have been interesting. Yeah, that I... That would be impressive. I would actually find that impressive. I'm going to just check what's going on here. It's laughable how non-Christians trying to tell Christians who Jesus is and what he teaches. Right. Like, I mean, it was in that document. Jesus is fans. Fans. That's an interesting thing. All right, folks. If there's any final thoughts on this in the chat... My uh, congestion is coming back. I'm getting better, by the way. Noticeably better. Every day I feel better to the point where I'm still going to hold off on getting back to the gym just because I already know if I say I'm going to go back, I'll, the chat will fill up people saying, no, 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 stay back. <laughs> Rise of China says, it's one of those I'm a priest now types too with a ponytail and the rosary on his neck. Right, yeah. I, and actually, I do think that was supposed to be a Catholic priest. David Wilson, there's a story about Father Matthew Despard that you might find interesting at the BBC Scotland site. Send me a link and an email to that, if you would, please. Make sure I can see what this is about in the in the subject line. I have like 880 emails in my inbox because people keep misusing my email. Well, at least they didn't have Jesus rapping. There's that. I guess they deserve credit for that. Graham says, Jesus doesn't need PR. He doesn't need ads. He doesn't need billionaires. He told us what he needs many times. He needs us to accept him as our savior, to repent and to sin no more. Right. I mean, it's not, it's, it shouldn't be that hard. Unfortunately, it's that re the repenting part that is the message that tends to be the, what obstructs the message because people don't want to do that. I don't blame them. I mean, when you have been told uh, incorrect things by the culture. And that, and when oftentimes Christian leaders don't represent the, our beliefs very well at all, I'm not surprised that such people, that many people have such a hard time. 
Do I know about Father Fahey? Yes, I've done, I have some of his writings on the channel. It's just that uh, some of his most of his writings are too spicy for YouTube, so I don't put them up. James says Judas left before feet washing. I thought he was there for that. I'll have to go back and reread that later. I thought he was there for that, though. Um. All right, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Um, Sonny Jim says they aren't Catholics. Well, and they were, and you expect this kind of stuff from Protestants. Yes, but again, the guiding documents of that organization sounds very much like stuff coming out of Rome these days and stuff that you you see in the National Catholic Reporter or American Magazine. So there is more in common with that, with that, and with allegedly with us than we might like to think. All right, folks, thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, I have a unfortunate update about the TLM today and probably another one tomorrow. That's just things are going. Like I said, things are speeding up on that front. So thanks for tuning in today. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.